0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast. This is Julius Besser, and this is episode 111.
1: Alas, 111 episodes is far too short a time to talk about such excellent and admirable solo games. <coughs> hey, everybody! Welcome, welcome to the show. We're celebrating a birthday here. How you doing, a- Julius? A birthday? Yes, it's our 111st episode. It's like a birthday.
0: Our 111st episode, that's our big one. We don't do anything special <laughs> for 100. We do something special for 111 firsts.
1: That's right. 100. You were such, <laughs> such a geek.
0: You are such a geek.
1: Woo! We've made it. <laughs> so, to celebrate, we're going to spend just a moment talking about a Lord of the Rings game because it's a short one. <laughs> and then maybe we'll talk about another game because we'll, we can't we'll just talk about that. No, that's too little. But who cares? Uh, a too short of an <laughs> episode. We got a vacation. Happy yeah. Lefty first vacation. No, we're <laughs> not <won't> do that. <laughs> we almost did. We almost did. But um what were we gonna talk about? We don't really have much news this time, I think. Well, have you been playing any games recently? I don't have any news. Um, I've been playing games. I've been playing Pandemic Cthulhu. I've been enjoying that a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's surprisingly lot it's the theme is great it fits really well and it's just fun and it seems to be challenging cool well speaking mm-hmm. of pandemic i actually have finished up my pandemic legacy campaign oh nice i've gone
0: all the way through it and i'm curious whether or not our listeners would be interested in hearing either a spoiler free or spoiler full review of pandemic legacy
1: that's a good question. I know personally, whenever somebody does spoiler episodes, I tend to just skip them, even if I don't expect to play the game. Well, but have you played me? it yet?
0: Are you going to play it?
1: I'm not, and I don't plan to.
0: Okay. I don't know. It would be possibly be interesting to discuss it with you if you've played it before, but I think if you're, if you haven't played it and you're not going to play it. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should hold off on that until more well,
1: time. If you end up doing that, I would enjoy listening to. I'll listen to the spoilers and see what your take on it, and then I'll give you my. I've never played it. Point of view, but this is what it sounds like based on what I'm hearing. Because I bet you that's something people don't do. With
0: Ricky Royal, at one point in time, too.
1: That's right. We were supposed to have Ricky on this episode, but things fell apart largely because I cannot keep my schedule straight, and because we're in such different time zones.
0: Yeah, different time zones is really make, what makes it hard. Mm-hmm. It makes a very limited window where we're able to actually record together. But we'd like to get them on very soon. Mm-hmm.
1: Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, What else? No news. Essen is coming up in a week. I won't be there. But that's not news because I wasn't planning to be there. It's a little bit of a big flight. Yeah, it is. The one year I had, um, there's no way I was going to be doing any traveling that year. But I had air miles that were about to expire. So I told somebody, hey, free air miles, free trip test, and if anybody wants to go, just bring me back some games. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. that worked, and I got a few games out of that. Did I mention that I've been playing Airborne Commander recently, last episode? No, have you? I haven't been thinking about the game. I picked
0: back up Airborne Commander. I remember I had a critique about it when we reviewed it back, I think it was almost a year ago or more. I um, can't remember at this point in time, but when I reviewed, it, I had a critique about it that there's two victory conditions. Either you make it all the way through the deck without you know, blowing up, or you get 12 victory points. And if you get 12 victory points, all of your negative points no longer count as negative points. And I said, well, every time I do it, I'm going for the 12 victory points, and I'm getting 12 points to win the game. And I'm doing it really consistently and really frequently. Continue, like, even picking it up a year later... I'm still beating that game with twelve victory points consistently. I feel like huh. almost every time.
1: Interesting. I think I saw something about an expansion for that recently. I wonder. Could be. Yeah, I think I remember. I have no idea where I would have come across that information, but I seem to have seen something somewhere about it. I don't know. Let me see if the page says anything. Expansion for on Kickstarter. Yeah, it's because they sent an email out. They're starting a new project. Yeah, an expansion's coming out at some point soon. But
0: we don't have any more information about it.
1: Nope. Well, I guess maybe we'll see what
0: happens to it based on that expansion. But prior to the expansion, I'm I'm finding it hard to really make it feel challenging and difficult. As how long about as if I can do the 12 victory point
1: thing. How about if you just don't play that victory go anymore and just play to finish a deck? If I wanted to, fine. But, you know,
0: Challenge I find yourself. it hard to play. I find it hard to want to play a game where I ignore one of the rules. It's a difficult thing for me you to do. change it? Can you change the rule? Yeah, but I can also play a different game the way it's all been intended. Mm-hmm. That's true. Fortunately, I, I don't have... I, fortunately, I'm not lacking for games I love, you know?
1: Yeah. So, So the other games go to the wayside.
0: Mhm.
1: Why? Why work at gaming? Exactly. Basically.
0: So that that's where that just falls out to.
1: Okay. And it is what it is. Mhm. What what have I been playing? I played Pandemic. I played Lord of the Rings some more. Ah, oh, up to 180 games of that. I was playing the Dunland Trap scenario. I decided to rename it the Dumbland Trap because it just keeps killing me. And so today, I decided if I'm done with it. I'm moving on to the next scenario. I cannot beat that one; it is too hard. I even tried the easy mode, and I, I could hear. not do it. I was it was playing the easy mode, and I kept ignoring things like certain enemies. I just didn't see them, and so they they were not in the game. And I still was not able to do it. <laughs> so I said, okay, I, I you know you can only cheat so much and and get away with it, even solo. <laughs> and I was beyond that point. Uh but I have played a few other games. I hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also
0: I also recently got in um Wizards Academy. Which is oh, another yeah? game I'm playing a bit of. Yeah. Fun little game. It's uh it's got an interesting mix of mechanics. It's primarily an action selection co op where you're running around the board casting spells, but it has an interesting memory dynamic which is thrown in there too, Just neat.
1: Okay. Um uh, oh I played uh not solitaire, but I played Tiny Epic Western which does have a solo mode. I think it has a solo mode. Yeah, it does. It comes with one out of the box. I played a two-player game. It's an interesting game. I like some, the mechanics in it. Hmm. I have no idea how it works solo, though. But definitely an interesting game in general. Very neat. Oh, and I got a. Did I talk about it last time? I got a game called Scout. I don't think you did. Okay. Apparently, I was really excited about it because I, I ordered a copy. as a print-and-play game, and I got it off a drive through cards and apparently within a week i ordered a copy from somewhere else from game crafters not remembering the first one so i got two different copies from two different uh print and play people so is that the giveaway one no that's not the giveaway um i thought about it but no maybe maybe i'll give that away at some point but it'll probably be differently but you know it's interesting i'm glad i ended up doing that because i got the game crafter cards and the the other cards the game crafter cards seem to be thicker uh-huh. The deck is taller. They come in a real nice jewel case, but I prefer the feel of the drive thru cards. Uh
0: huh. I think so too, personally, just from having seen some.
1: hmm. And they were cheaper. Though so maybe that's just the way the prices were set by the individual posting them. I don't know. But I think it was maybe half the price in drive thru cards. Oh. Uh-huh. Or close to. So, you know, I don't know. It was interesting. Neat little game. It's very, very, very simple game. You play an ant and you're trying to get home and you're going through the deck. And each time you have four stacks of cards one north, one south, one east, one west. And you just have to get to the end of one of the stacks to find your way to one of the holes at home. Mm-hmm. And each turn you flip a card over, it's either you could travel through a location, a plains, or a terrain, or a rough terrain. And you could just travel to it by discarding the card. Or it's an item that you could pick up. The, there's two items. There's a bunch of needles. And there's also one gumdrop. Mm-hmm. To win the game, you have to carry the gumdrop hole. Um, when you pick up an item, you can't only you can drop it and you can't carry anything else. So basically, you're going through the decks and either discarding the card because it's terrain or picking up an item. Once you pick up a needle, you can use it to kill spider, the other type of card that shows up. Oh. Um, so the only way to get past the spider is by killing it with a needle. So you're really just drawing cards and you're discarding or, or setting it aside to get rid of another card in a pair. Um, and it's super simple mechanic, but the art is nice, and it's, it's a relaxing game. It's just a game to sit down and play for a couple rounds in ten minutes and calm down. I liked
0: it. And it's available now on both Game Crafter and Through cards? Mm-hmm.
1: It's been available for a while, I think, for a few years now. I've seen it before, but I've never ordered it. Very cool. Until suddenly where I... You know, made it up in spades by ordering two sets two copies. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's about it for
0: us for what games we've been playing, and I don't think we have any news, so shall we get on to Kickstarters? Sure, let's do that. Okay, so Rising 5, the Runes of Asteros, is going to be the first I'm talking about, and note, if you're searching it, it's Rising 5 as in the number 5. Um, this is a game that does really sink into an app. Uh, Albert, have you ever played Mastermind, the old game where mm-hmm. you have a puzzle of uh, different colors and you have to guess and see if you can figure out what the combination is, what the code is? Yep, yep. Okay. This uses that mechanic with a whole board game surrounding it. You are a... This is a co-op game and you can play solo with... There's a solo... um mode that comes out or you can also just play multiple characters multiple people um but in these in the uh in the game you're all together as a group controlling five heroes on a quest to rid the land of these silk cubes that are corrupting everything and the way you do that is there are four different runes that you have to put in the right pl- the right place and the right ones that come out. There's, there's seven different colors and you're trying to put the mastermind style into the right place of four slots. And the way you confirm if you got it right primarily is by taking a picture of it with your phone on their app and it tells you if you got it right or if you only got one right or if you got it in the right place but it's a different color or something like that. Similar to how you have a mastermind that you know, if something's in the right place, then it's the it it's a definite good, or if it's in the wrong place but you have the right color, so then it's maybe good. So that's the same kind of thing that the that the app does for you. Now then, you can play without an app, but you need another person to basically sit there for the whole game and just serve the functions of the app to tell you what you got right and what you got wrong. Okay. Which is not nearly as much fun.
1: And if you play a two-player game, though it's it's cooperative. So you would co- still want the app for both players. Or- yes. Well, I mean, you can
0: share the one phone between everyone. Because you don't need to consult the app very often. It's only when you're taking a guess to be able to win the game. Okay. So I don't think you need it so often. I don't think everybody needs an app. It's not... it's not a mainstay of the game. It's not like Mansions of Madness that it's always there and it's always doing something. It's when you need to consult to see if you want the game, you pull up the app and then you do it. Sort of similar to how in Alchemists, if you recall, you had to take a scan and see what two potions went together but in alchemists from my understanding and unfortunately i've still not had the chance to play alchemists but to my understanding alchemists you very often have to consult the app and this one from again it's on kickstarter so i've not played it but it looks like you're not having to consult the app very often and the game surrounding it is more like a action selection type thing where you get a hand of cards and your hand of cards is of the five different heroes so you can spend a card of a hero in order to be able to do an action with that hero or to move that hero around so you'll move them around to the six different spaces on the board and interact with random cards that are dealt to those various places so you can either get extra abilities or you can defeat monsters with damage-dealing stuff or get new artifacts, and you're going through and you're building up these artifacts and you're using your abilities to swap out these runes, and every once in a while you'll build up and you'll gain the ability to consult the app again, and if you manage to put together the whole puzzle and get the mastermind solution correct,
1: you will win the game. Neat, okay. The the app looks cool. I like how, how they use the app in this game. I
0: personally, I really agree. I think that this is another excellent integration. I have no problem with apps in board games, and I do not mind a well-designed app board game either. If you just convert the whole thing over, if it's well-designed, I like both of those. I tend to not buy them, mostly just because of the Shabbos issues that get involved. If I didn't have that issue, I probably would buy more of them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: This is one I think that ties in really nicely, because the app is really just a very drudgery type player thing that nobody would want to do, but really makes for an interesting endgame dynamic to do with the game. And all of the movement around and the teaming up and gaining all the cool powers and being able to build up your engine to get more abilities, to get more guesses and get more powerful guesses, all of that board game surrounding it is interesting. It doesn't seem like it's a hugely crunchy, a very thinky one, Alchemists was more of a puzzle, I think, than this one. But I think that's because the logic puzzle in Alchemist was a more difficult puzzle than that of Mastermind, just from my understanding of how those two different types of logic puzzles are. So it's a slightly lighter version. Not slightly lighter version. Slightly lighter on the scale of weight than Alchemist's. Still using that app, which is why I'm comparing it and still making a really interesting dynamic.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. You know, my, um, my first thought was, uh, what I how it's going to tell the, uh, the direction of the uh, symbols, yeah. which is up and which is down, how it's in to position. But it looks like there's a little icon in the middle that basically orients the picture every time.
0: Well, I mean, in terms of how it does it, if you want a little bit behind the scenes, and actually, if anyone interested in giving a shot, you can download the app now, and there's a picture on the Kickstarter page where you can scan it and see how it works on your phone. But what actually it has is there's three circles on each of the sides and a triangle. That lets you orient top. And then the color bar in the center lets the camera sensor know what it should expect for the different things. Because, for instance, if I take a picture of something and it comes out red, my red won't necessarily be the same as your red. But because I always know that bar in the center will have, for instance, red be just to the right of black, the camera will go, oh, I know that's what red is supposed to look like. So, therefore, I can compare that with all of these and say, oh, that one is also the same shade of red. So I know it's red.
1: Mm-hmm. That's nice. So I, that's I, what the I like, there. And I like that you could see how it works. And it seems like a nice, simple, clever solution. hmm That's yeah, neat. And another one that I like for this is that when you're on
0: Kickstarter, you have the ability to opt out on unnecessary minis. (laughs) If you want the game without minis, it is $40. If you want the game with, I think, five extra minis, granted, it's five extra minis, a bigger board, so you can put all of your card decks in various places, and you can have a slightly nicer art. Granted, I also do like the art on the box for the Hero Pledge version, which looks really cool. Very comic book mm-hmm. covery type thing. Reminds me of like a movie theater comic um cover on the rising fire for the hero pledge. But it's like six extra miniatures for an extra thirty bucks and a bigger board. I'm very happy to opt out on that. So thank you for that. Thank you for flexible pricing.
1: <laughs> that's actually thirty Euros more, that's thirty five dollars. So it's a little steeper.
0: That is true. Mm-hmm. And yet I still see more people doing the more expensive one than the less expensive one.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I just I agree with you. I like the box more for the 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 hero pledge. I would almost back it for the box. More than uh, It is I like the the I, art in general. I completely agree with you, but I'm not going to spend the
0: no.
1: $35 extra. No, it's not a $35 box. <laughs> but man, it's it, I like the art in general in this game. I think it really stands yes. out. Yes.
0: Yes very much reminds me of the Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: I've never seen
0: that. I was meaning the comic book, but... I've never seen that either. ...movie two, that's okay. also good. <laughs> well, that's what it reminds me of. Okay. Well, there you go. It, hopefully, it stands some, up. hopefully some of our listeners out yeah. there have heard of that, watched it, seen it, read it, and will oh, know more about it than you. Uninformed anti-geek who <laughs> just instead quotes lord of the rings
1: yeah oh i need to learn no i learned from the lord of the rings yes someone i also i don't know
0: are you a who person a doctor who person i'm not
1: you know here's the thing i don't watch tv doctor who's a tv thing so i don't i don't personally i don't have anything against it i just i'm not interested in it
0: i have no problem with that i we don't own a tv in our house so so yeah
1: so it makes it hard to be a doctor who person (laughs) <laughs> I am not a
0: Doctor Who person, but someone was explaining to me the idea of hash marks or on somehow put on your skin or drawn on or something related to the Who universe. They explained it to me, and I have at this point in time again forgot about it. <laughs> okay. okay. But uh, time anyway,
1: out.
0: hang on set, a second. Cat needs out. Setting aside all that stuff, that is Rising Five. This one is going to be funded on October 27th. Again, you can pick your pledge. It's 40 euros or 75 euros, which is $45 or about $85. And if you want it, go ahead and back it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think because we're going to be reviewing two games, I think that's all we're going to talk about in Kickstarter today.
1: Oh, good. I I don't need to see more Kickstarters. (laughs) I'm done with Kickstarter again for now.
0: That didn't last very <laughs> long last time. I don't expect it to last too long this time. Lasted a couple of months. Especially the first time I find another like fifteen twenty dollar game, you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, fine, I'll get it.
1: Ah, it's only fifteen bucks. Why not? Yeah, no, I know. I backed Sagrada. I backed some cool dice recently. Ah, there's more stuff I backed. I know it. One there's a uh, hostage negotiator, but that doesn't count.
0: You know, of course, and I'm having real buyer's remorse because in the end I didn't. I, I in the end I didn't up my pledge for Seventh Continent, way back when. I'm having real remorse on that at this point in time. Really? I really wish I had.
1: Is that coming out still?
0: Uh, I've just been seeing some updates of it. I think it's not coming out till like March at this point in time.
1: Wow. Okay. I I remember that game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a I, game I printed I off game. the whole demo and played through it. That's right that's right there's a game i backed out of recently near and far not a solitaire game but kind of wish i got in it anyway so i think that's it for kickstarter all right let's move on all right so let's talk about the lord of the rings the adventure deck game now this is a solitaire print and play game and it came out a few years ago actually when did it come out where i lost my page It won a nomination in 2012,
0: so it definitely came out before 2012. And past yeah. that, we have no information.
1: So it probably came out in 2012 because it was nominated for the Golden Geek Award that year for best print and play game. <laughs> and I think they do their their awards are they had to come out in that year, right? I think that's how I they have do that. No one. idea. We'll go with it. This game definitely came out in 2012. So we'll say we. Anyway, this is if a print-and-play game. <laughs> history has changed itself to fit our <laughs> podcast. That's right, because we change for nobody. Um, this game is a solitaire game. It's a print-and-play game, and it's a it's so a very simple push like game. game. Huh? Both of which information you saw already. Okay, that's good information. Um, And this may have been in a solitaire print-and-play. It was in a solitaire print-and-play contest, actually. Look at that. So it probably was 2012, or 2011 at least, because I think the contest started in 2011. Um, and this is a solitaire print-and-play contest. It's a push-your-luck game. Which information you <laughs> <about> already? <laughs> this is a redundant episode. Um, <laughs> it's a neat game. It's a very small, very compact, very light game. What you get is a deck of cards.
0: How many cards are in the deck?
1: Uh, probably about 50. Okay. I'm not sure, but I'd say it's a full 54 for these, that card, is my guess. You also have a playmat, and you're going to need to use some counters for this game, about 10 or so. Do you have to print the playmat yourself, or did it come with either of your purchases? No, this one I – no, I printed out the playmat on a piece of paper. Okay. And I'm sure you could buy it, like, in a nice mouse pad or something. Um. But, yeah, I've just printed out – every time I want to play, I'll print it out again because I don't seem to keep it around. Nice. I lose them. But, I mean, it's a simple sheet. Um, the The game is nice. The, it uses art um, from different... I don't know where it came from. Uh, it's Lord of the Rings art, probably from the internet. I, I am guessing that this game is print and play in part because of the art not being... Uh, licensed. Properly licensed, yes. And here's hoping we don't get a cease and desist. I, no, I don't think we would. We're just talking about it. Right, <laughs> we're, we're, we're well, I don't know, maybe we're we're promoting don't worry, individual. Albert we're not gonna get a season to set <laughs> okay, Whew. um, so anyway, so this game it's a very simple game when you play, you have the play mat, you're using that to keep track of some information, and it has a starting card, I guess, and besides that, you have the deck of cards the the things you keep track of in the mat are your health the the turn, I think you have something like thirty turns to play the game in. Um, It's alternating day and night turns, and then there's a few things you could find along the way. A few items that'll be helpful, Um, like maybe sting and uh, some um, lembus, the elven bread, and and other things that that may be useful. When you start playing, oh, the the goal of the game is to get through the deck and and do your whole adventure and survive. you would lose by either running out of health and dying or or f- get drawing three uh three of the ring wraith cards where there's three ring wraith spaces once you no I'm sorry ring spaces oh this game was made by Michel Esmanek hmm the designer of the game was Michel esmanek i don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right he's a one player guild member I believe it's a he. Okay, so there's on the playmat, there's a Witch tra- a witch King track. It has like three spaces on it. If that fills up, then you have been caught by the Nazgul and you lose the game. So there's the two ways to lose either you run out of health or you're caught by the Witch King.
0: And it looks like there's cards that put those on the track.
1: Exactly, that's right.
0: Another option?
1: Um, what do you mean by options?
0: Well, do you have the choice whether or not to put those on the track? Do you get to remove them from the track?
1: There There are ways to change it, yes, there's I think four cards that that could cause this to happen, there's a few cards that'll let you take it off also. okay the, there's also you could choose to put on the ring at some point, but when you do that's also going to advance a track. When, when you put on the ring you know they could sense you a little more easily so you're closer to losing. So the way the game starts on the play mat is a card put played already, and it has three directions you could travel in up, left, or right. And each of those three directions has a number in the box. Um, you choose a direction, and that's how many cards you draw from the deck. You draw, the, let's say you pick two, you draw two cards, and then the second card, you also read the text at the bottom, which has some game effect. It could be uh, maybe, say, heal all your damage, or you get some lembas, or or other stuff can happen, all sorts of different effects. And at that point, if you get an item, you would mark it on the playmat with a token on the item space to show you have it. And different items and the playmat tells you what they are, have different effects that could help you along the way. Some may heal you or, or do different things. Um, but that's basically how the game works. Once you've once you've drawn those cards, now the top card on your on your discard pile again has numbers and you, you pick a direction to go, left, up or right. And you play that many cards from the deck. And you keep going like this until you reach end of the deck and hopefully you win.
0: Is there any reason why you wouldn't always just pick the highest number to get through the deck as fast as possible?
1: Yes, because each of the cards in the deck is going to have number on it. That's how much damage you took during that uh, phase of the game. So if you pick three cards, you're going to take damage from three cards. And the numbers range between one and four. And you have a total of ten health. Um, so it's very possible if you traveled four or five spaces that you're going to die in one turn. Uh-huh. Now, you always rest in the night phases and heal all your health back. And it's alternating day and night phases. So you can travel in the day, take some damage, travel again in the night, take some more damage, and if you didn't die, heal up to full health
0: and, and keep going. And do you have any sort of advanced information on what's coming next, or are you just random and hope you get lucky?
1: It's random, hope you get lucky. Sometimes you may have some information, and and as you get familiar with the game, you know, you'd you'd know what to expect as the deck starts getting thinner, because you've seen a lot of the cards already. So do you feel like you're in control when you're playing the game? Somewhat, it it, it can be very random, but I do feel like I'm in control and and I'm making uh, smart decisions, because a lot of the cards will have text in there that will tell you specific effects, like some cards may say, you know... Heal your damage at the end of this turn. So suddenly, I know I could travel far, and I'm going to feel pretty safe. Or all all the locations do one less damage than the number on the card, or, or it might be one more, whatever. So based on my the last card I drew, that's on the top of my discard, it may affect how I what I choose to do. Um, if you draw a Witch King card, I think it's I think it's called Witch King. There's a couple different Nazgul cards. You have to put a token on the Witch King space. If that track fills up and you've lost the game there's an aragorn card that says you could remove a token but you now have to come back to this aragorn space so you basically take all the cards that you've discarded after the aragorn put him back on the deck and play through them again probably taking different paths this time because obviously if you take all the same paths you are going to end up in the same point where you're going to feel you need to, to remove the counter
0: and but all a the f- items are one time thing like if you see an item you're not mm-hmm. going to see it again
1: um I, there's a few of some. the 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 playmat has like space for two or three of a couple of them some of the more common something like sting is more rare it's only going to be one of them so you may or may not get to play them now you know if you come across the aragorn card you play some more cards if you're paying close attention you may realize that oh there's an artifact i really want to get and if I play my cards in this order, I could get to it. So you go back to Aragorn and redo things in the right order. Um, and, and so you'd have control over that. Other than doing that sort of thing, the game can be kind of swingy and random. Um, where you know, there's games where I thought, "Oh, I'm doing really great. I think I have a pretty good chance," and I made a bad choice and died all of a sudden. But you know, it's a five or ten minute game. It's not a big deal when that happens. It's it's a very light push your luck game. So at that point, you know, you shuffle up the cards and try again. And what do you think about the design? I like it. The, the art on the game is all really nice. The the text is clear and everything's laid out nice.
0: Which version of the design are you using? Because I see that there's a new redesign that came out. I do not have the new
1: redesign. I have not seen that one actually.
0: Oh, because it looks like the old one. There's like square boxes on each of the side. But mm-hmm. The redesign. There's a line. Across with different card art.
1: Okay, let me uh, check that out. I have the original.
0: Show you just a second. This is like a picture of a bunch of the cards. Ah, uh, yeah. Cards in Portuguese.
1: So there's a picture now, and it looks like it's from the movie. And below the picture, there's the three numbers. So in, in the older version, the the numbers are blocking the picture, and they don't take up a lot of space. So they don't really block it much. But now here, it's separate from the image yeah and the, the new versions do look a lot nicer I I think
0: and that is also available in English even though I just sent you the Portuguese
1: mm-hmm though, though I do like I, I'm never a big fan of uh, movie art in games and the other version does have uh, I don't know art that's not movies I don't know what you call that line art paintings mm. I don't know what it is and I'm, I I assume it's all found art on the internet probably Mhm. But and it's a consistent style. Wherever they find it, there's a bunch of it with that style. I like it. But so so that's the game. Super light, super fast. It's fun. It's you know it's never disappointing. And it's challenging. the The one thing I don't like that I find frustrating is tr- the I told you you have alternating day and night turns. If you forget to move the counter, and that's the sort of thing I tend to do a lot in games. Is I lose track of whether it's day or night. Not a huge deal because it's you know, there's one of each turn. So if I forgot, you know, it's it's either night or it was just Well, night. I'm
0: confused. After you move every time, isn't that a, a night?
1: No. So so you, you choose your direction, you play your cards, that was a day turn, you advance the marker, now you choose another direction and advance again, and now you're travelling through the night, I guess. Oh, and, and then at the, the end, end of the that phase, rest? yes, and at okay. the end of the night turn, then you heal up again. So you basically heal after every two moves, moves, yeah. Okay, and maybe, maybe if it helps, I would say there's, there's a morning phase and an afternoon phase, and then the night you heal, right? Okay, but uh, yeah, that, that's it. It's very simple, very, very compact. It's just a deck of cards. Plus to play a and you know, you could print it. I guess you could print it like in a nice mouse pad, have a nice fancy version, or you could print it a sheet of or paper just and keep printing it. it over and over again, like you do. Or just yeah, do that. You know, if I had a nice tablet, you could just put up, an, I could put up on the tablet and just put the counters on top of it. That would work. But alas, I don't. So there you go, neat game. Are, are you still interested in it? No. What are your thoughts? No. Okay.
0: I'm not. So, I mean the fact that there is quite so much randomness doesn't sound nice. And I mean, I'm looking at both of the card designs. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of either card design. Mm -hmm. The mat, I mean, looking around to the various pictures and things, there's like various different versions of the mat and the mat card art on the mats tends to conflict a lot with that. Like trying to read text that's overlaid, on top of a map behind it means that it's hard to see the map, <laughs> mm-hmm. hard to see the text. I don't know. I'm not a. I'm, I'm not a very big fan of the card art and card design of the game. But you know, I assume it didn't have any full production that went into that or anything, or a full graphic design. It was just sort of done, which you mm-hmm. know, right. I can I can understand that.
1: Yeah, it's a print and play uh, contest, right? So. Mm-hmm.
0: And I guess it would really feel to me like how much control do you really have when you pick a direction? How how much ab- how much of that direction choice is random and how much is it not? Um, like you see a well, choice, you it's, can it's go a push or luck one, thing. two, or
1: uh, you three. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like I'm making a choice. The game has, I think, something like twenty, twenty-five, or fifty turns. It might be twenty-five days.
0: It's twenty-five days.
1: Okay. So that's about fifty turns. So you know you have to travel a certain number of cards each phase to to be able to keep up.
0: You said it's a and, twenty card. Oh no, it's a fifty card deck. So you have to do two a turn on average.
1: Yeah, and if you don't keep that average up, then then you're not going to win. If 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 you reach the end of the day, night, the twenty five days, and you haven't gone through a deck, game's over. And so sometimes you're like, I I really feel like I need to go farther than just one space so I could win. But if I do, it's a bigger risk. So, so it's a, a very strong push of luck feel to it.
0: But I think like that playing, comes across. It. It.
1: It's like playing Can't Stop solo. Ah, great game! Great game. Yeah, fine, but
0: it's a really, it's just yeah. Like but Can't you roll Stop the cars dice cars and you an see if lucky. Yeah, so you don't like Can't Stop? Well, I do, I do like Can't <laughs> Stop for a roll the dice and see if you get lucky. But if I'm printing off a game, I don't know. I just feel like I want more strategy and decision mm-hmm. making. Especially if I'm printing it all off. I have I have very few games which reduce the amount of strategy and real decision making I have. If my choice of one, two, or three is just on I don't know, maybe, maybe not, let's try it and see what happens, that tends to sort of drive away from me.
1: Mm-mm. I could see that. Oh um...
0: It's different than the sort of luck in like Pandemic the Cure where I know what my odds are right now for what could happen, and I know how badly I need what it is that I need. So there, it's not just I'm rolling the dice and let's see if I get lucky. I need something, and I'm, I know what my odds are of getting it versus something bad happening, and I'm seeing whether or not the odds will favor me, or something similar to this. and this one, I have no idea what it could be it It yeah. could be that I'm definitely going to lose if I pick two, or I'm certainly not going to lose if I do. no idea, no way of know.
1: yeah no you're you're right and and you could lose the game on a on a bad call. I need to have no no way to deal with it the um I do like also the, the choices I get when when I know I have stuff I could save that does mitigate some of the bad luck if you have some of the things they might be able to tell you to just ignore one card altogether and if mm-hmm. I know I could do that then I, I feel safer pushing my luck and if I have to use that item up like say a sting or whatever then okay I've used it up and, and it's fine but hopefully if I'm lucky I got you know I could I could do the five cards and not have to use sting and I still have it for later when I could, you know save for there another emergency go. I mean, it's interesting. the extra items see- and
0: things do sound like that gives you some control. Yeah. I, I like the size of it. The fact that it's one card deck and one playmat mm-hmm. is interesting. The fact that you can do an, uh, a small little game like that, I like those kind of things. That's interesting. But it sounds like you've robbed my decision making when you do it, and that's what I'm concerned about.
1: <laughs> okay. That's, it doesn't feel that way to me, but fair enough. And again, the- you're the one who's played the game, and I yeah, haven't. Yep. The other thing to keep in mind is the cards all do have an effect on what happens next. Every time, and yeah, I guess it's again random, but like the last card you draw will have some text that tells you to do something. Actually, some, some of the texts will happen, affect the turn just happen, and some will affect the next turn. Mm-hmm. And so those will again affect how, what kind of choices you make. But yep, there you go. Quick game, 10 minute game. uh the deck of cards and a uh, play and some counters. The Lord of the Rings, the adventure deck game.
0: So we said we're going to talk about a second game, and we are. We're going to be talking about The Networks. Um, The Networks is actually a game that came out on Kickstarter. I think we talked about it way back when, when it was on Kickstarter. We chatted it up a bit. And now it's got a release from Kickstarter, and I believe that it's going to be entering, I think, the estimated release date for... Um, full availability, like when you can go into a store and get it, is somewhere around December. But who knows? Could be shorter, could be longer. You never know with these things. But we want to talk to you about it today, so that you can go get your pre-orders in and reserve your copy now. Because spoilers, I think it's a great game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I, I didn't back it, but I'm, I'm excited by the artwork. The artwork. Well, first, let's talk about the theme of the game and the networks. You are a, you start as a cut rate television network, like basic broadcasting type thing. And your goal is to sign better shows and stars and ads to get more and more viewers. And over five years or five seasons, you're going to build up enough viewers that you have the most viewers and viewers act as victory points. If you have the most viewers at the end, you win. And in playing for solo, there is a, Amount of viewers 265 that you need to officially win, but once you start beating 265, you can start playing just beat your own high score type games. So be aware of that for solo. But the basic idea is that you are getting viewers by getting better shows, and goal of the game is to have the most viewers at the end. Albert mentioned about the artwork. Let's talk about the components in the artwork for a bit. Each of the cards with a couple exceptions, have their own artwork and their own card name. So for instance, there might be one that is um, a takeoff on South Park called North Lawn. And it's a new show, which is a drama show or something like that. And so each of them are a take on something else or a funny show, which instead of Green Arrow is The Quiver. Or a show star name might be the guy who gets killed and everything because he starts off with a whole bunch of viewers, but he quickly drops off to get no viewers because he's dead. And so you get all of these funny type shows, or you might get an ad, which is Reflux Orange Juice. And all of the shows and all of the art and everything involved is all designed to be very funny, silly. Now, Albert and I just talked about how both of us don't really watch shows.
1: (laughs) So... (laughs) We're the wrong people to talk about this game.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if we're the wrong type of people to talk about the game because I've seen enough of them to appreciate the humor and enough of them. And which of those I don't appreciate are still funny just because it's silly and crazy type stuff. And it still all looks funny. So even though I don't necessarily get all the inside jokes, I couldn't like deal out all the cards to be like, oh, this is this person, this is this person, this is this person. Like another game, Hollywood, when other people are playing it, they say, oh, I just made this show with this person in it, and it's this show exactly, and I can talk about it because I watch all this other television and I know all about this. When it comes to the network, I don't necessarily get all the jokes. I'm okay with that Mm -hmm. because it's still funny and I'm still enjoying the game, and also the game is a pretty good game. But you know, in terms of the card art and the card theming, that's where it's all aiming for, and I think that the card style and everything br- does bring home those jokes. I don't think that the game is, is attempting to survive just on being funny. I think that's sort of an added wrapping, and the game is meant to survive on its mechanics, not just to be funny, not just for you know laughs at oh, I found this card and that's it for it, like some other games that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things like, for instance, you know, Cards Against Humanity. The card is funny the first time you see it, not anymore after that. Here, it's just that the card's designed to be funny in a strategy game. So that's talking about the card art in terms of the components. Um, the game comes with each player gets their own player mat. And There's a bunch of chipboard money tokens and a whole bunch of cards for all of the different types of shows, ads, network cards, which I'll come back to network cards in a bit, um, and stars, and each of those have their own deck. The player mats are all um, chipboard pieces where you'll lay out each character each player rather has an eight o'clock a nine o'clock and a ten o'clock show. So you'll lay your shows with whatever ads or um, stars or attach them over on the right side of the board. and your green room, which is stuff you've bought but haven't attached to shows yet, and your reruns and your archives go on your left side of the board. Also on the board, which I found helpful when I'm playing multiplayer with like a big group of people, there's a row that lets you calculate how many viewers you're going to get the round. The advantage of that is if you pass early in the round, you can then immediately calculate how many viewers you have and put down one of the cubes on your player board to mark it so you don't have to then calculate at the end of the round. It makes end of the round go a bit faster. Very insightful design that they went and threw that in there. Very smart to have done that. Speaking about just the physical quality of the components, I personally had a lot of difficulty punching them out. This is one of those games where I had to be careful to take a scalpel to cut out a lot of the money pieces and a lot of the player boards. I don't know who printed it. Whoever printed it, I don't think it was the best print job that could have possibly done, and I don't know if as they order more reprints since i think they sold out pretty well from kickstarter and are doing another reprint for more for more mass production but the copy that i had the tokens feel like they're going to separate that's one reason why i felt i really had to be careful when i was punching them out it feels like essentially they're going to separate in two right along the middle of the tokens and just come apart It doesn't feel as sturdy as some other games have done. And I don't know who printed it. It doesn't feel like it's from something like Panda. So far, I have not had any issues. And I know that my copy of the game has gotten a lot of plays and has been borrowed and passed around some. And nothing bad has happened to it. So I don't, you know, I haven't seen anyone complaining about it. I haven't seen anyone saying anything like, oh, mine's split, other than, you know, a couple few i haven't seen like a mass upswing you know like galaxy note 7 types concerns oh it's always breaking apart but it feels a bit light and a bit flimsy to me that said i haven't really seen any actual issue come from it
1: all of that can the, be frustrating when that happens if i've it, had a game like that yeah where where you punch the counters and they just the paper peeled right off as you punched them mm mm-hmm but and that's frustrating
0: but just be careful with it and yeah. knowing Gilhova who is the um designer and owner of Formal Ferret Games knowing Gilhova I'm sure that if that happened to anyone he would be more than happy to replace it. I think that Gilhova's customer service on the, on his games and support of his games is excellent. So I'm not really concerned like it would be a lasting problem and no one would be able to, to get it fixed if, it's a pro- if they actually do something like that. But I definitely would caution anyone, be careful when you're punching it. That at the very least is the most I can say on that one. Moving past that minor quibble, let's talk about the mechanics of the game. On your turn, you're essentially going to take one of a couple type of actions. Um, You're going to have dealt out a whole tableau of cards. The type of cards that are dealt out are going to be shows, ads, stars, network cards. You can, on your turn, essentially take any one of those cards. If you're taking a show... Shows will usually require a star or an ad or have the option to have a star or an ad. When you take one that requires a star or an ad, you must already have taken those guys previously and put them in your green room. And when you take the show, you'll attach it to a time slot and immediately attach a star or an ad to it later. If it was an option, you can later put another star ad into your green room and then spend another action putting the star or add onto the show so it's possible to add on to cards later usually if you you don't want to do that because it's not efficient but if you're concerned about a network card going away either because of the solo play mechanics which i'll get to or because another player is going to buy it out from underneath you you may want to do that as fast as you can it's going to cost you actions it's probably going to put you behind a bit but sometimes something is better than nothing When you take a star, it costs you money usually to grab the star, and then there's continued upkeep usually of money you have to pay at the end of each round in order to keep them on board. Ads are usually the opposite. Ads usually give you money when you take them and continue to give you income at the end of each round. That's only a general rule, though. Network cards are special power cards. They are free um, and they give you special powers or special endgame bonuses or special things that you can do. There's some network cards that are only used in a one- or two-player game. Um, there are some cards that are only used in a three- to four-player game. So, you know, take those out. The, the three- to four-player cards are the interactive cards. You can actually take these entirely out of the game if you want to have non-interactive. And by interactive, usually I mean me attacking you and messing with your board or making you spend money or all those mean type of things that some people tend not to want to do. Yeah. You know, Cause they want to be nice to each other. So the interactive ones go away in one or two player games. Anything else, you know, can potentially stay. Those give you all sorts of special bonuses. Those are the network cards. Um, And really, those are the only actions that you can do except for drop and budget. So take cards or drop and budget. The drop and budget is how you pass for the rest of the round. When you drop and budget, you can either get money or, in later seasons, get money or viewers. It's one of your best ways of getting income. Whoever drops and budgets first, whoever passes first, is going to get more money slash viewers than people who go later. But of similar token, people who go later we usually get more good stuff. For example, the person who goes last will always be able to just clean up and get all of the leftover network cards and ad cards for free because neither of those cost anything other than actions. And at that point in time, they have all the actions they they want. Let's talk about the solo mechanic now. Um, Whenever you're playing solo, or actually in two, but I'll get to that in a second. Whenever you're playing solo, each time you take a turn... You will then flip over one of the network cards. On the bottom of each of the network cards, except for the interactive, which are removed anyway, on the bottom of each of the network cards, there are icons for the different types of cards or for the drop in budget action. If a card is highlighted, is in color, you must remove that card from the game. So if you flip over a network card and if if you flip over a network card and has a show card in color, you have to remove a show card from the game, from the tableau. If you cannot remove a show card from the game, from the tableau in solo, you'll basically move a card from a, a token from one place to the other. When five of those tokens have moved, a.k.a. you were required to move a, remove a card and were unable to because essentially you'd already bought all of those cards, the game is over, you lose. This helps keep the stress and tension of I can't spend all the time I want because if I buy every single card, I'm very likely to have network cards come up that I'm not going to be able to collect on, and they're going to take away tokens, which means I'm going to lose the game. So that stress of, I have to drop right now, is still present, even though there's no other players that you're bidding against. Which was neat. I really liked how they did that. The ability to create a drop in budget and create a stress and tension that you normally only get from interactions from other players being like, I've got to get out fast, still is present in this one because of this mechanic. And in fact, I mean, there's some other mechanics that may let you put some tokens back to that track and move on through the game if you're doing really well. So you may want to sort of push it and say, well, I'm going to push it a bit further because I know I can at least do one. And then every once in a while that may surprise you and you'll end up missing three tokens by doing that. And I really liked how in Solo they set up that tension without having any other players there. It was neat
1: how they did that.
0: Mm -hmm, That sounds neat. I agree. I'm not sure if they went to the solo mechanic first and then brought over to two-player. In two-player, they have the same thing about how they artificially have the network cards randomize what other other players would be buying by removing these cards. So in two-player, you'll also flip over network cards to, and this process is called burning cards when you're removing them from the game, to burn cards. But there's not this, if all the tokens disappear, you lose the game. Instead, just the cards get burnt and so nobody can buy them, so probably people will start passing. But it was a really interesting way, and I like how they built it into the network cards. And if I would to point it out to you, you might not even notice that those icons are there. They aren't. It's very easy to notice them once they're there. They are very clear, very easy to see, but... It's not like a whole Automa deck like you'd see in a Stonemaier game. It's built into the cards that you have. It has a lot of randomness, and it really continues to keep up the tension. I really like how it is that they did that. Um, Once everyone has passed, which is once everyone has dropped and budgeted, you'll then do income and expenses where you have to pay up your next things. You'll score all of your viewers from your lineup and your reruns, and then you'll age your shows each of your shows will have a little black cube that shows which season that particular show is. So even though the game may be in season 3, this particular show, if you just bought it now, might be in season 1. So your shows will get older as you go through it. And then you'll set up the next season. At the end of the game, you'll score your viewers once more essentially after aging it. So you'll score your last season without doing anything in your season. Um, Once you've gone through all five seasons, you'll be able to and the game and see how many points you got. And again, if you got to 265 in the final version, you will win. Talk about some things with regard to the mechanics. I've already talked about how I like this burn mechanic. In terms of all the shows, the game does become, at one point in time, sort of like just having to plug numbers into numbers to see which one does the best. When a card comes up, you really want to just start looking at the numbers of the cards and see, well, is this one going to earn me more money or is this or more viewers or is this one going to earn me more viewers? And which one ties more into the strategy? There is a genre bonus. Each of these shows has a genre. And if you get three of a genre or if you then get five of a, Genre any, anywhere in your network, you, you get some bonuses. So you want to try and control that and think, well, how many have come out? Am I going to be able to get the genre bonuses on that? But none of that really ties into like the name of the show or what your network ties into. There's some network cards that might tie into a genre, but mostly they're like score one specific genre multiple times. So really, that means that all of that nice, pretty card art all translate down to just numbers and just elements. I don't know if that's really different than any other game, though. (laughs) Any game, really, if you start to take it away, does it—I mean, let's try that again— with any game, if you start to try and pull out the theme, it'll turn into mechanics. But the problem here is that the numbers didn't relate directly from the show. So, for example, if I had a show, um, Very Charismatic Explosions, for example, that's a show that gets a lot of viewers. <laughs> But there's no real reason why it should get the number of reviewers that it does. Whereas in a card game over in Lord of the Rings, like we were just talking about, the Golem card comes out. The Golem card comes out and he forces you to backtrack a little bit trying to avoid him. Or a Ringwraith card comes out It puts down an extra Ringwraith and makes you take some damage. So all of those, their theme ties into what they do mechanically. Here with these cards, the theme doesn't really tie into what they do mechanically. The theme is just sort of overlaid, and the numbers and the ads required require it. As you play more, you'll start to see themes for how a genre relates to some mechanics. So, for example, drama shows never take stars, whereas sports shows always want ads, so you start to see, well, if I know that I'm going heavy in sports, I know that I'm going to want to have a lot of ads. But that doesn't necessarily mean, well, do I care more about the sports shows, CNN Live or whatever it is, or America's Greatest Warrior, I think, whatever the other shows are. It doesn't make a difference this one versus this one, except for whatever numbers are printed on there. So the thematic doesn't bleed over into the theme. To me, that's not really a problem. I think it's funny and cute to see it coming out and the challenge and the thinkiness and everything that comes out of the game in order to build it I still like all the mechanics that are going on here. It is such a good game mechanically that's so simple the all you have to do on your turn is you take a card and then do whatever the card is. If you're putting in your green room, fine. If you're making a show, then fine. You take a card or you pass. It is dead simple to do, but it's full of mechanics and full of interesting decisions and just control control what you're going to do that to me, that's just not that big of a deal. I I like all of the mechanics and all of the decisions that you're making into it. So the fact that there isn't such a great connection between the numbers to the theme just doesn't matter to me. I mean, it's not that it doesn't matter to me. It just doesn't affect me, because I'd like to spend all, all of the game thinking about how best to maximize my score in order to be able to do that. But at one point in time, it's going to come into, well, I'm just thinking about how best to maximize my score.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned the math in games. I've always wondered, how much math do people put into games? Do they sit there with, write down four minutes a bottle, oh, I've got this many of this type of cards, so I need to have... You know, X number of cards that counter it and that sort of thing. Are you saying when you're designing it? Yeah, when when people are designing games, do they really think the math
0: out a lot? Well, I think this one you kind of have to because the better shows cost more but give you more options and the worse shows are cheaper. And so you may want to get the worse shows. So I imagine there's some sort of formula you want to have here. I know that when I think we even talked with, um, the designers of the tiny Epic games about the formulas that they use for making, well, how much should a certain planet be worth or a certain space be worth. And so I know that they had a certain set of formulas that they had, and they sort of just tweaked it. They, they would put it all out exactly by the formula and then they play the game and they'd say, tweak this one. This one's a little bit this way. This one's a little bit that way, but the basic formula was there. And then they just sort of messed with it just a little bit based on how it actually felt. So I imagine that probably most of the designers do. I know that in some of my playtest work and in some of my work with Plat Hat, I know that there is definitely your basic formula for what it is that you're looking for and you tweak it as you're going along. Hmm. I don't know what okay. Gilhova did here. Okay. That's interesting. But yes, a bit more into the design, into the mind of a designer there. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> now how long does the game last when you play solo? Um the
0: game Is I think it's rated at 20 minutes per player, which is pretty accurate. When you're playing solo, you can really push through a game pretty fast. It doesn't take very long. Um, the game tends to move. Because it's such a simple thing to just make a decision even, you don't always even need to wait for another player to finish all the stuff that they're gonna do. If they say, I'm taking this show, you can let them sit there and figure out what it is that they want to do. It's not gonna affect you very heavily. You could then just take your card, and sometimes by the time it gets back around to them, they're still like, oh wait, I just finished up my show, now what am I gonna do? And then it becomes more of a weight game there. But sometimes you can finish off a whole round even faster than you can get the card put onto their seat, into their into their place. So the game okay. tends to move. It's not it's not a very long game.
1: And it seems like setup and teardowns relatively quick.
0: Yes. Um one thing that I'll make a comment about some of the graphic design. There's three different show decks. There's season one shows, there's season two, three shows, and there's season four, five shows. The back of all of those shows are almost identical except for just the number. I wish that those backs were a bit more different while still remaining true to a general theme, so that you'd be able to say, well, this card back is always a show, but make it very easy to sort out when I'm trying to uh, put away the game, so that I can easily find which ones are the fours and fives without having to spread them all out and see them. Even just, like, some different color icon on the corners, or, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of options for what you could have done to have done something graphic designy there to fix that, but they all look really similar.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's always harder to sort out. Mm-hmm. When you get got to actually s- look at the card at the middle of the card.
0: Another minor graphic design issue is that if you look at the icons on the bottom of the network cards, the icons on the bottom of the network cards, the burn icons, go show, star, add, network, drop, and budget. But at each different player count, it lists for you how many of each of those cards go into the tableau. And when it lists how many go in there, the show cards come last. So on one, the show cards come first, but on the other, the show cards come last. Something didn't connect there. It should have been one way or the other. And really, it should have been that show cards are listed first. So on the player boards, the, I think there was an error, a minor error made in graphic design between one to the other. Um, one other quibble about... Um, some of the cards is that some of the network cards can be really swinky and really powerful. I don't really know what you can do to stop that other than make sure that you're the one to get them. Like there's one set of cards, which is gain an extra, I think it's like two viewers for every show that you have of a certain viewer type. And you're very much encouraged to try and find one genre and get a bunch of them which means that that card, if you're playing the game normally, becomes even more powerful. There's no real sacrifice involved in order to be able to use that card. So it becomes a really powerful card. So there are some cards there which are more powerful than others, and you need more play experience to be able to know which of those cards are more powerful than others. Someone who starts may not necessarily know. So I think having those cards that become, to to my eyes, more obviously powerful than the others without being as clear to a new player is a somewhat negative side to some of the um, network cards. I'd rather see them all be of similar power level or more obviously more powerful so that a new player would also go, oh, I really need to grab that like immediately, like right now, as opposed to sort of just sneak up on you. Um, one other thing I really liked about it, by the way, is that there's like an inter- – just a second. Yeah. One of the thing that I also liked about it is how it introduces the rules to the players. Things like network cards and genre bonus, when it's introducing you to the rules, it says – Play out your first season like this. And it doesn't tell you about network cards or genre bonuses. And then when it gets to the second season, it says, okay, now go read about these things because until now, it didn't matter. So you, even when you're reading the rules, it plays through a first season as if someone were explaining the rules to me. And even when I'm explaining the rules, I do the same thing. I'm not going to tell you about this because it will confuse you. And it's not really relevant and then mm-hmm. I pull out the network cards from season two onwards. It's a great way to teach the rule to other players, and it was a great way to write the rulebook. So, big plus on how the rulebook is written.
1: Okay, and do you think that it would make it harder for me to reference the rulebook? I, I do not player? think it's
0: hard to reference the rulebook that way because okay. of the way that the rulebook's written. Again, there's not that many actions involved in playing the game, and actually, when if you're using the rulebook to read all the way through at those segments it says don't read these until later skip to here and then later on it says okay go back to there and read it now okay so it's organized logically but it's keyed off to tell you skip it when you're when you're learning the rules okay got it so big thumbs up excellent excellent way to write the rules really great
1: nice okay And would you get the game for just solitaire play?
0: Uh, I probably would get the game for just solitaire play. Again, it makes a great tension. It's Mm -hmm. a good draft game where you're having to pull games and math it out. You're going to need to like math. You're going to need to like drafting. But if you do, I think the fact that they had those burn cards get involved to create that tension in a draft made for such a great way of creating that tension for a draft that is really a lot of fun to continue to play. So yes, even for solo play, I think it's a really good contender um, for a really great game. I'd give it a good rating for both solo and for both multiplayer. I'd give it a really good rating.
1: Do you prefer the solo game because of that, or do you prefer the multiplayer, do you think?
0: I don't think I really prefer one or the other. Both of them are really well done. Um, Really, the solo is a great—not called mimic. Both of of them create their own tension in their own way. The solo game has that sort of fall-through about having to keep track of how many points you have. Because there's some triggers that happen based on how many points you get at certain points in time in the game, and you may get some tokens back, which is a little bit finicky. But, you know, it creates the same level of tension as you get in the multiplayer, and it's faster. You can sit down and pump out this game in 20 to 30 minutes, and it doesn't take a lot of a setup to be able to run that. It's a fast, quick game about medium weight playing solo, if you're playing with four or five players, it's a longer game where everyone's getting the chance to interact and play off of everyone else. So I don't think I really prefer one way or the other, and that's probably, in my opinion, the best way to have it, is to like it in all settings.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds great. I don't have any critiques about in any
0: of the settings. Great game. I really think that it's worth getting a pre-order out there for it. Very, very good game nice okay although i think we- do think that i i would personally avoid some of the some of the interactive cards have caused some negative feelings oh really <laughs> yeah some of the interactive cards interactive cards have been called the screw you cards by some other people i i not sort of language I'd like to really use for them. I, I prefer calling them interactive. So good for the rules for doing that. But that's what they mean by interactive because I get to mess with you. And some of them is like, I just get to take all your money <laughs> or, or I just get to take 10 of yours. And then they can, they can mess you up now then they're out there for anyone to get. But if you're getting the one that is like, I'm going to cost you six money this turn. And the person's like, well, if you do that to me, I'm going to end up losing six viewers instead of six money. Uh. <sighs> mm-hmm. So some of those interactive cards can be can be meaner than others. It's fun to play with them. Just make sure that you don't take that sort of stuff personally.
1: Yeah, play play with them and are they optional?
0: They're optional and all of them are okay. marked with an i. So if I'm not play if I keep them shuffled in my deck, even when I'm playing solo, I keep them shuffled in my deck and if an i comes up or if a 3 to 4 player one comes up, I'll just keep drawing. That way I never have to unshuffle and unsort all my cards. And so I'll announce at the beginning of the game, like, okay, we're playing with a bunch of people that I just I don't trust you guys with the interactive cards. So we're just gonna play whenever there's an eye, we're just not doing that. That's not for this game. We're doing the okay. we're doing the more basic game with not interaction. And it's still a lot of fun without the interaction too. So Nee, okay. Me personally, I prefer yeah. playing with the interaction, just having a thicker skin. <laughs>
1: don't take and, it and personally do- when I steal
0: stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't. Now, he, he this game has an expansion. Do you know anything about
0: the expansion? I don't know that much about the expansion. I believe that it's just some extra cards and genres. Okay. But it's called the Over the Air expansion. Um, yes, so it's a the It's on the air and it's a mini expansion. It was the Kickstarter stretch goals. It's not Kickstarter exclusive, which is the best way of doing Kickstarter stretch goals. It's purchasable Mm. as an expansion. It's got some extra seasons and stars and network cards and ads. I mean, the core rulebook refers straight into it. It's not hard. I mean... It's also available for pre-order, so it's not hard to get it. It's going to be pretty simple to get it. I assume once everything hits mass distribution, if you feel like getting it, I don't really feel like you need to get it.
1: Okay. I'm I'm
0: happy without it. Um, no. Speaking, by the way, as a slight tangent, um, shout out to the people from Terra Nova Games. We reviewed Farspace Foundry last week. And they uh, listened to me say that, unfortunately, some of my metal tokens were lost. They contacted me and said that they would be happy to replace those for me if I would give them my mailing address. Wow, so, okay. So, shout out for excellent
1: customer support and also for listeners. That is nice, yeah. that That's neat. I've never heard of a company actually reaching out to a person saying... Please, let me send you missing parts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen it on forums, and people post, mine's missing or something, until they'll post a forum saying, we can fix that for you. I've seen that before, but I really appreciate that they mm-hmm. reached out to me. Um, they also want to correct about the name for that expansion, which is what reminded me about it. For Farspace Foundry, it's Ether or E-T-H-E-R-O-R-E, because it's a type of ore that is made of ether, but it's actually supposed to be a pun as either ore. So you can pick ah, to get uh, either-or, which was the pun that I think you latched onto when we were talking about it.
1: Okay, so I did like that they did that then. That's cool. Yes. The either-or. <laughs> so that was
0: that was an intentional pun.
1: Uh, clever folks.
0: I like them. That was what reminded me of it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, slight tangent, that is The Network's Excellent Game. Go out and pre-order your copy today. Have I, have I sold you on it, Albert?
1: You just about have. I, I think I'll wait for retail and then decide.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: So I um, <laughs> it's I think
0: the pre-orders are $35 and, at various
1: places. Uh, so it's cheaper to pre-order than to go. It always is. Um, do you know the retail price of the game? I think it's $35 in various oh, places. Oh, same. Okay, same as pre-order. Okay. Now, uh, Gil Hova has, has also done a, one other, I guess two other solitaire-friendly games. Prolix? Which was then later redone as Z, which I think is actually going to come out next year. Let me see. Yeah, 2017 for Wordsy. So Prog is a game that came out like in 2010. It's a word game, and it was different than other games. I played it once, Solitaire. I don't remember too well, but I remember not doing very well at it. It was very hard. So, you know, check it out. More word games. Mm-hmm. It was published by Z-Man Games. So he's mm. been doing solitaire-friendly games for quite a while now.
0: Cool. I haven't really mm-hmm. looked into either of those, but maybe we should.
1: I had I had problems at some point. I'm just not a big word game person. You know, we've talked about doing a word games episode on the podcast someday, but I don't really play <laughs> word games. <laughs> it makes it harder. I, I would, but I don't know what word games are solo-friendly. Um,
0: but maybe we'll have to the, talk about that Yeah, or maybe people can tell us what word games they think we should review
1: there you go alright I guess we're done are you sure? I think so, I think that's a
0: complete episode nah, it's never complete <laughs> every episode is missing something
1: <laughs> what's it missing?
0: Unfortunately, I think last time you did post a poll, which I decided to heckle you about.
1: You know, I I posted the poll. I got to write it the way I wanted to write it. I'd say
0: that's fair. So you're saying if I were more on top of things, I would actually post the poll, then I would be able to skew the results in my favor.
1: (laughs) I wasn't skewing the results. I was just uh, giving context.
0: It's Listen, Albert, whatever, whatever it takes <laughs> to let you sleep better at night, I'm okay with. But let's see who won the poll, and then we'll decide who skewed the poll.
1: Now, now if I remember right, I actually, uh, I, I tried to promote your item. Go. What's it missing? Number 110. So so this is Farspace Foundry and it's either golf tees or freighter garbage trucks that were missing from the game. Which the word was actually garbage
0: trucks. Not not to continue to heckle you more. I think we've heckled <laughs> you enough, but I just want to mention it, just so it's known to the listeners.
1: Twenty three of the thirty seven voters are correct. It is garbage trucks.
0: Okay. You skewed the results. It's, <laughs> it's official.
1: You know, I, I actually I tried to to help the golf tees. I said, imagine the shot you can make if you played golf in space. You know, if you think about that, it'd be pretty cool. Stand on the moon and shoot halfway around the moon. Wow, golf tees would be cool. Sorry, nobody latched onto that. All
0: right, so um, as with always, we're attempting to see which words are best. We've got a bunch of submissions. I haven't seen any new submissions coming in recently. I think that's maybe because we haven't posted up the link. We'll have to make sure we get that next time. Mm -hmm. Um, But the random draw for this time was a submission from Mark Perry. Endoplasmic reticulum? Ouch. I have no idea what that is, Albert. It's a biology term. I had a feeling that. It could also be a (laughs) made-up science term. I'm assuming it's something real. My first guess it was...
1: Endoplasm from, like, uh, Ghostbusters. Got it. (laughs) I think maybe
0: we need to redraw for that one, due to complete (laughs) lack of familiarity.
1: And if I ever send out dice, I'll include dice for for that word anyway. Well,
0: I'm just going to pick his next one. So Mark Perry's next one is Silverhawks.
1: So, Um,
0: Albert, you're going to have to be talking about Silverhawks. So since we're doing the title of the show is going to be based on the Lord of the Rings. Um, I guess you can talk about what Silverhawks, um, what Lord of the Rings needs for Silverhawks. And I will be doing a submission from Lynn umbrellas. Okay. So Albert, you want, so you get to pick (laughs) if you want to go first or second.
1: I'll, I'll go first. I like going first. Ready, set, go. Alright, so I don't actually know what silver hawks are, but they sound very elfish. They sound like something elves would have. Oh, these are beautiful silver hawks. And this would be very appropriate in a Lord of the Rings game, obviously. So I think that would help in a location. It'd probably be an object you pick up. The silver hawks would help you travel through the location faster. Maybe see the next cards coming up. What a fantastic thing Stop. in the game.
0: <laughs> Alright, my go. Silver hawks are a type of bird. They're hawks that are silver. I think that one's pretty obvious. (laughs) And for umbrellas, what you need for those is, I guess you need to block the the silver hawks when they're attacking you, just pop up your umbrella, or anything else. It's like the best kind of shield. You can tuck it away in your little sword belt, and when you need it, you pull it open, and it blocks a shield and no rain. I mean, how often do they have to camp out? You won't have to camp out anymore and stop. (laughs) Boy, that that was convincing, actually. Well, you have a five-second rebuttal.
1: Um, Go. You, you don't you don't sheath your umbrella in your in your sword belt. Stop. You, you, you sheath it in your umbrella belt. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows that.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know when I sheath my umbrella, but if I'm using it to fend off silverhawks, I'm going to have to be sheathing it somewhere. I feel like it's going to be like a <laughs> solid steel umbrella.
1: It's <laughs> just so it's just to bling. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that Silverhawks are just birds maybe isn't it superheroes isn't that like a TV show or something Silverhawks uh, boots, feathers, and bows I just assumed oh, yeah, it was like a bird to, it was an animated American series Okay. oh Silverhawks would have been perfect for the networks maybe but we weren't doing networks we decided we'd do Lord of the Rings no yeah whoops Oh, well, I mean, neither of us fun. knew what,
0: what the Silverhawks are, although now I assume we're both looking at pictures <laughs> of these random-looking people. Wow. Looks like seventies.
1: This is an episode, a uh, cartoon that aired in the 80s, late 80s. There you go. That's why I didn't watch it. I was in high school. Well, whatever. We too, made it up to be cool something else, or at least I did. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Well, it totally changes my argument. Makes it much more interesting. Got
0: it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that if Mark Perry does any more um, stuff, we're supposed to know about, then <laughs>
1: we may have, we'll have to research Mark it first. Uh oh. Oops. Well, we'll work on it. Oh well. We're getting educated. So that's good. Something like that. All righty. Well, thank you everyone for the submissions, and thank you
0: everyone for listening. Yep. All right. Have a good evening. Good night. Good morning. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG, and Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number 1, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Jamendo.com. The transition music is copied by Dan Elduche Pancaldi, whose page is at danpancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.